Welcome to the Diversity Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jonathan Ember. We hope that you would just take a moment and listen and receive the Word of God. We know that one word from the Lord can change your life. And so we hope that this message will bless you and transform you in Jesus' name. Come on, Diversity Church. Who's been enjoying this series called Seven? We've been talking about the seven churches mentioned in the first three chapters of the book of Revelation. We just want to welcome those who are watching online right now, and we want to welcome those who are at our North Campus. Can we give them a round of applause for joining Diversity Church this morning, even online or in another location? Come on, we are different people, but we have the same God. We're even different uh, locations, but we're the same church. And so that's awesome. And uh, so we just wanted to welcome everybody. I'm excited actually to finish this series, but some of y'all are really sad because y'all been getting a lot out of this sermon series. Who could say, man, the Lord has spoken to me through seven. Amen. That means a lot of y'all. Jesus's word is alive. He spoke to these seven churches um, around 2000 years ago. Yet these words that are alive from Jesus that were once spoken all that time ago, they're still speaking to us today. This is so important for us to realize. It's not just these words that we find in this part of the Bible. It's all of the word of God that is alive and powerful. But we've been listening to see what and and hear what the spirit of the Lord would have to say to us through this series. And so we've looked at all sorts of cities, six of them so far. Today we're going to look at the seventh city, again mentioned, that has a church there uh, that Jesus is talking to. And that is the church in the city of Laodicea. All right, Laodicea, the last one that we're going to be talking about in this series, this was maybe the richest city of the seven. Who would want to live there? Some of y'all don't care about money, okay? I mean, the Bible says don't love it, but doesn't mean that we can't care about it. Come on, somebody, right? All right, this is the richest, the richest city of the seven. I mean, this thing was, was popping. This was actually the banking center of the Lycus Valley, the banking center of what we would call Asia Minor. Um, this was the leading city in this valley. It was next to Colossae. If you read the book uh, of the Bible, Colossians, it's where that city's from. And it was in the middle of Colossae and Hierapolis. And this city, again, was the banking center. It was a textile city. So there was all sorts of produce and production coming from this city. Um, There was even this major earthquake. Just to tell you a little bit more about the city and what the city was like, there was this major earthquake, and Rome decides that they were going to offer up their resources to help rebuild Laodicea. It was wiped out because of this earthquake. So Rome, again, this is a Roman province uh, because the Roman Empire was ruling the world. So they offer their help. And, you know, if you have a major earthquake or major natural disaster, maybe the tornadoes that just swept through um, Kentucky, that'd be like getting a call from, you know, the White House saying we're going to send our resources. Well, Laodicea, after this earthquake, when they received this help or this request for help um, from Caesar, they said, no, we don't need your help, Caesar. We got this. Who do you think we are? Are are we poor people or something? No, we are Laodicea. We can rebuild. We are rich and we are powerful and we got it all together. And so they said, we don't need your help, Caesar. We got this. Now, as we've been learning throughout this series, the culture of the cities that Jesus is speaking to has influenced many of the churches. Such is the way the culture sometimes influences churches even today. 
This culture of independence and self-reliance and self-righteousness of Laodicea ends up influencing the church that is in Laodicea. This is where they needed to really heed to the words of Paul the Apostle in the book of Romans chapter 12. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You don't need to actually just go in the way of the culture around you. You have a different culture if you're a Christian. You have kingdom culture. You have a king named Jesus, and he calls the shots, and he tells us how to live. He tells us what to do. But in this city, they were influenced by this this self-righteous, independent, rich and wealthy, self-assured culture that they were living in. And Jesus speaks straight to these things here in the book of Revelation, chapter three, verses 14 through 20. We're going to read out of the ESV. You can follow along with me on the screen or in your Bible. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right? Remember, he's speaking to the pastors, the leaders of these churches, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He's talking about himself, Jesus. He says, I know your works. And remember, he said this to every one of them. I know exactly what you're going through and what you're doing. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, but because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That word spit in the Greek is like vomit. I will spew you. That's what he's saying. Out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered. And I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched. Pitiable. Poor. Blind. Naked. I counsel you, therefore, to buy from me gold refined by fire. You really want to be wealthy? Let me tell you where to find that wealth. You're going to find it when you come to me and you surrender to me. You come and you actually buy things that are eternal. You set up and lay up treasure in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt, where thieves cannot break in and steal. You really want to find wealth? You think you're wealthy? I need you to come and buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. He, he wants them to see like he sees. Those whom I love, and this is the reason why he says this, and the reason why he's rebuked any of the churches so far. Listen to this. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Come on, the Lord loves those whom he disciplines. The Lord loves those whom he chastens. If you get a little correcting from the Lord, just take it as he loves you enough to actually speak to you and correct you. And that's what he's saying to them. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The letter goes on, and I didn't want to read the rest of it for the sake of time, but he says what he says to many of the churches, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to just give you three lessons that Jesus is giving. He's giving more in this portion of scripture. I, I might even just you know, split this into two, and then I call the series eight, and, and just give a, you know, an encore to this, because there's so many lessons in this letter, but I only have time to speak to you of three. These are the words of the Lord 
to Laodicea. Let me give you the first lesson from this letter. Jesus is the amen. Jesus is the amen. Did you catch that in Revelation 3.14 as he's introducing himself to this group of people? And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the amen. Some of y'all are like, what? He's calling himself amen. I thought that's what you say at the end of a prayer. Yes, we do say that at the end of the prayer. At the end of a prayer, we say amen because it means so be it. Everything we just prayed, so be it, Lord. This word amen is a very powerful word. It's not just something we say in routine at the end of our prayer. This thing has deep meaning and deep understanding. He goes on, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. What he's saying here is I am the beginning and I am the end. I am everything in between. I am the amen. What Jesus is saying here, and this is the lesson for the church, especially uh, then, but even now in the 21st century, what this means by Jesus being the amen, that means he is the final word on every subject. He is the final and supreme word on every single subject. Are you guys looking to know what God says about marriage, what God says about sex, what God says about finances, what God says about prayer, what God says about what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do morally in your life? Jesus is the amen. He is the final word on every single subject. And what's awesome about that is he's already spoken everything that needs to be said. And at the end of the book of Revelation, the last word is even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. It's all done. It's all said. This is the last book of the Bible and the last book written. The last time that Jesus speaks in the Bible is right here in the book of Revelation. Why? Because he said everything that needs to be said. Amen. He is the amen. There's nothing else that needs to be said. If you're looking for answers in your life, if you're looking for wisdom in your life, if you're looking for knowledge in your life, if you're looking for truth in your life, Jesus is it. He's the amen. You don't need a fortune cookie. Come on, somebody. You don't need to know whatever your horoscope is for the day. It's not going to tell you anything better or greater than what the amen has already said. Amen. See? This is what it's all about. Jesus has spoken. And, and this is awesome because he's speaking to them right here. And it's, it's, it's like some of the last words that were ever uttered by him in Scripture. And he says right to them, the seventh church. We've already read his letter to six of the other ones. Now it's the last letter. He comes to the final one. And he says, I've spoken. And I've said everything I need to say. I'm the Amen. We don't need something else to try to stir us up. We don't need something else to try to encourage us. We don't need another word. We don't need another guru. We don't need another pastor. Come on. We don't need another person to make up something to tell you some sort of revelation to give you some type of prophecy. If you want to know what Jesus has to say for your life, he's spoken. And he's the amen. What a powerful word of encouragement, especially for our time. Oh, we're always looking for somebody else to tell us something else. We're always looking for a pastor to preach something new. Can you give me something new, please? 
I don't need to give you something new. I just need to give you the same old Jesus who has spoken once and one time for all time. He said enough and he said everything there is to say. Why don't we as a church get back to the amen and preach the amen and lift up the amen and just tell people what Jesus has already said. We don't need new revelation. Matter of fact, y'all need to be really careful if somebody tells you that they got some new revelation. I don't know if y'all have ever been to a meeting where you're about to have some food and you are hungry. You know what I'm saying? And then it's that guy who's praying, who's long-winded, and y'all got them growls, you know, happening in the belly. And that person is praying and they're praying. They decide to pray. My dad used to do this. <laughs> he would pray for President Trump. This is right before he passed away in 2017. Then he would pray for um, you know, North Korea and Kim Jong-un. And, and he would just begin to I'm like, dude, like, it's time to eat. Right? But finally we got to the amen. Amen, right? And y'all are ready to eat. But then some other joker says, wait, I need to add a PS to that prayer. No, you don't. I need to add that food to my belly. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been there? I'm probably guilty of probably saying a PS prayer and adding to the amen. What Jesus is saying right now, the prayer is done. The work is done. It is finished. I have spoken. There doesn't need to be anything else said. I've set before you everything. Come and dine with me. It's all provided. It's all spoken. It's all finished. It's all done. And there's an amen at the very end of that. I've spoken. I am the final word on every single subject. Amen. You don't need to add to that prayer. You don't need to add to that work. You don't need to add to that revelation. It is all there in the scripture. Now, I believe in prophecy. I believe that people can still speak on behalf of God, but it should never actually, and it will never go beyond what God has already spoken. This is why Paul actually warns the Corinthian church, because they were actually just believing anything anybody said about God. And they were just... Taking it and receiving it like it was the amen. And this is what he says to them in 2 Corinthians eleven four. They were adding to the end of the prayer, if you will. It's already been spoken. It's already amen. Let's eat. But they were like, no, no, no. P.S. God says this. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians eleven four. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Y'all, the church has to be very sensitive and very careful when it comes to people trying to give revelation and tell people about a Jesus or a gospel or truth when they're adding to the revelation. Or maybe they're even taken away from revelation that has already been spoken in the word of God. Paul goes on and he tells the people in Galatia, he says, if anyone preaches a different gospel to you, let him be accursed. You don't even put up with that. You don't even listen to that stuff. If they're preaching something else than what we've already delivered to you, what we've already said, signed, sealed, and delivered, amen, right? If that is the case, they, they are accursed. Treat them as such. Don't put up with that. Don't listen to that. Stop them in their tracks. You know, this is what people have done 
throughout the centuries after this book of Revelation was completed, after the amen had said amen. People have done this. And a prime example of this is the Mormons and Joseph Smith. Now, now we don't like to, to get all, you know, into doctrine and church anymore for some reason. And we don't want to put people in their place anymore because we're so kind and so sweet and so loving and so tolerant about everybody. And so the Mormons are good and they do good works. Okay. So the Buddhists. So the Muslims. But they're not the Amen. They're not the final authority on every subject, right? And Mormons have taken uh, what they said was revealed to Joseph Smith, which was new revelation. He said this angel that appeared to him told him that every other church was bad. But they don't say that nowadays because their prophet made up another thing nowadays. Matter of fact, they were founded and grounded in a lot of uh, racism and stuff. They believed actually black people were more cursed. I mean, some crazy stuff, right? And now the prophet, like some years later, had another revelation that they weren't anymore. Whatever. It's just crazy stuff, right? Because, again, they got away from the revealed revelation in the word of God that was clearly given to us and clearly laid out before us from Jesus himself and through his apostles and his prophets. He has spoken once and for all. And he closed the book. He said, I've spoken everything that I need to speak. Anytime we add to that or get away from that, we get into heresy. We get into cults. We get into some crazy. And this is why people ended up following Joseph Smith and getting off into this. And this is the reason why this cult even exists today. Because people added to the amen. Church, we got to be sensitive. Jesus is everything we have ever needed in church. He is the head supreme leader of every church. He is the revelator of every church. At the beginning in the book of Revelation, he says this is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Not a revelation of John the Apostle. He didn't lift up himself. It wasn't a man. You know, if you're baptized in the Mormon church, you have to actually testify that Joseph Smith is a prophet of God. The revelation that John got was a revelation of the amen. Not a man, not a man, but the amen, Jesus, right? Anytime we're looking to a man, anytime we're looking to some guru, anytime we're looking to a prophet, and I got to preach this a little bit, man, because I'm charismatic and I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but can I tell you I believe in Jesus more than at all? I love to see the work of God move through a man or a woman of God. I love prophecy. I love the gifts of the spirit. But we got prophecy chasers in the church where I got to go and get a word from the Lord. Get in your Bible and get a word from the Lord. I've had people want to go to Africa just so that they can hear a prophet from God. Hey, guess what? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Come on, somebody. Luke wrote Acts. You got Romans. You got 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Come on, somebody. You got all that needs to be said for your life. All that needs to be said for you to follow what you need for your life. And we're over here trying to chase down some prophet in another part of the world because we think that they're going to tell us something different than what the amen has already revealed. I heard this quote, and I'm probably going to butcher it because I didn't mean to, I didn't even think I was going to share this in this point, but I just feel the anointing of God. 
But there was a minister that I, that I heard this last week. I, it was a quote on Twitter, and he said, the problem with the American church isn't knowledge. We have all sorts of knowledge. The problem is, is we have so much knowledge that we don't apply in our life. We want something new. We want something to tickle our ears. We want to chase down something that's going to make us feel better because we know something maybe that somebody else doesn't know. What I've seen people do in their Christianity, they just skip over the things that the Lord has clearly revealed, the things that are actually simple if they just would practice them, and they skip over those things like love and kindness and self-control and we want something deep lord give me something deep you know what i mean it's like just do that just follow that and see what will happen and you're like no no no, i I just need something deep pastor anything that jesus says is deep if jesus decided to say it it's deep He could have said a million different things. He said what he said because he wanted to say it, and that's enough. Amen. It's the final word on every subject, and it's about time that the church just recognizes that. So I wanted to teach that lesson from Jesus' words to the Laodiceans. He is the amen. Here's the second thing that I want to share. The second lesson from this letter that Jesus shares with the Laodiceans is that Jesus is sometimes repulsed. By his church. Maybe you thought I was repulsed by some of that stuff in my first point. Okay, I'm in good company. Jesus is too. He wants to spew stuff out of his mouth, we find here. Look at Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. He said, I wish that you were. So because you are lukewarm. And neither hot nor cold, I will spew you, I will vomit you, I will spit you out of my mouth. He's repulsed by some things that are going on in this church. And to further understand what Jesus is really saying here, because I've heard this preached and I probably have been guilty of preaching this other ways. Like, you know, okay, I wish that you were hot because hot's always better. I don't want you to be cold because... Because it's not as good as hot, but you know, at least you're, even if you're indifferent and, and, and you're just completely away from the things of God, that's okay. I'd rather have you that way than lukewarm. It's actually not what Jesus is saying here. All right, let me give you the, the context of what is happening here in the city of Laodicea. This is the first city that decides to bring in water from another resource outside of their city. The city didn't have a lot of water. It actually didn't have any water sources. And so they were the very first city that actually builds a system, a clay pipe system to bring in water from their sister cities that were around them. And Heriopolis, I think that's how you say it, Heriopolis, whatever, it actually was a city that had hot springs. And so this city was awesome. People would go there, especially they would retreat there, and they would go and get into the natural hot springs. Come on, this is a hot tub in the middle of nowhere. Hallelujah. You don't need any chlorine or anything. It just comes and bubbles up out of the ground. I've never been in one. I want to go to one. Come on, somebody. But this is what is happening in this city. It's about 11 miles away from Laodicea. And so Laodicea says, we want some of that hot water. This is before we had water heaters. Come on, somebody, right? 
Could you imagine not having hot water in the morning? I can. I've been in places in the world that don't have it. It's terrible. Absolutely, it's terrible, okay? So they want this hot spring water from Heropolis or Heriopolis. And so they build this pipe system made out of clay, and they are actually bringing in water from about 11 miles away. First people to actually have this aqueduct system brought in from another city to their city. All right? And then in Colossae, they actually had fresh, cold mountain water that would like flow down from the snow from the mountains. It was, you know, purified and clarified. You know, this is like the Fiji water. You know what I mean? This is like water, that mountain spring, whatever water you love. Okay, not Dasani. I know we all hate Dasani, okay? But it's that, it's that mountain snow type water that comes down from that mountain and it's cold and it's refreshing. So you can imagine a very hot day and, you know, you've been working out in the hot sun and you would go there to Colossae and you would get a cold drink of water and it would be refreshing. Right, you guys know what I'm talking about. So Laodicea says then, I want that water. So they build a clay pipe system from both of these sister or these twin cities that are around them. One to get hot water, one to get cold water. But here's the problem. By the time that that traveled 11 miles, 12 miles to where Laodicea was, when that water finally got there, it was neither cold nor hot. It was lukewarm. And what was even more jacked up about it is because they were carrying this water and these clay pipes By the time that it got there, it had built up sediment, all the minerals and all the stuff. So then when they would try to drink the water, especially from the cold one, they try to drink this, they put it in their mouth and they spit it out because it tasted so minerally and grimy because it had been carried all that way and built up all that sediment over time. So I want you to think about this and what Jesus is saying here. In this city, this pipe system to get cold and hot water was a failed experiment. And this church that was here, that's supposed to be hot in a place of healing, with healing properties in it for those who just need something to relax themselves or something to heal their muscles or something that's going to just warm their soul. They don't have it here in this church of Laodicea. This church is not a place of healing. Or it's not a place with that cold, refreshing mountain water, if you will, from the Spirit of God. Like when people came there and they, they were thirsty and they were looking for answers in their life. They were looking for something to refresh their soul when they got there to this church who's supposed to be a light on a hill, a city set on a hill in the middle of this place to give them, whoever would come, to give them a drink from the water of life that would refresh them, quench their thirst. When people were coming to this church in this city, they couldn't even get something that was refreshing for their soul. This is why Jesus says, I wish you were either hot, healing, warm, a place, an atmosphere that's going to actually bring life to people. I wish you were cold, refreshing, life-giving, giving people something that would quench their thirst. 
He says, I wish you were hot. I wish you were cold. But you're like this water. You've been here for a while. You've been traveling through a while. You've got sediment built up on you. You're no longer that church that you once were. You've gotten away from the, the simple things of the gospel of Jesus. You've gotten away from the amen. You, you, you've stopped giving people actually what they really need, which is the gospel. What does Romans 1, 16 says? It's the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also to the, to the Gentile, the Greek. It's like they've gotten away from the things that church is actually supposed to be. Can I tell you, I don't care how beautiful our music is, how warm our church building is, how cold our church building is. I don't care how great of a product we have, how many things that we have going, all the different things that we could do, all the programs, all the stuff. If we're not preaching the only thing that is going to give people life. Freedom, healing, deliverance, refreshing. If the presence of God is not there, like the Bible says in the book of Acts, it's the times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. I don't care what else we have in the church. It's just a lukewarm experience. It's just this thing that's not going to actually do for the world what the world actually needs. Can I tell you the world doesn't need another music group? They got a lot of great music in this world. I don't mean necessarily in their lyrics, but the sound, all the different stuff. They don't need more of that stuff. They don't need us to look cool. What was John the Baptist doing? We just learned about this in our small groups. He's out here in the wilderness. He's wearing camel hair. He probably smells. He's eating some grasshoppers. Right? Does he have some air-conditioned building? Some sexy kids program with a slide that's like 10 stories tall? Oh, we get church so messed up in the West, man. We get church so messed up in our Western mindset. It's kind of like Laodicea. If there was any church that I would say was like the American church out of these seven churches, I would say it's the Laodicean church. Our expression of Christianity is a failed expression so often. Why? We're not giving people the water of life. We're not a place of healing. We're not a place of refreshing. We're just trying to copy the world's culture and the world's system. And we're trying to add it here. Clearly what the Laodicean church was doing. So Jesus says, I want to spit you out of my mouth. I actually want to vomit up you. Now he's not saying I'm going to leave you or forsake you. He's not saying you're going to be cut off and sent to hell. That's not what he's saying here. He's saying, but your way of doing church, your way of representing me is disgusting to me. How many churches could he say the same thing about today? And some of these churches, we wouldn't even know because they look wealthy and they look great. They got numbers. They got people. But Jesus is repulsed by them. I don't want that to be us. And maybe there's been times where he's felt that way about us when we feel that and we sense this is me even individually, not just as an organization, but me individually. Am I healing? Am I refreshing? 
Do people want to be around me? Are people getting Jesus from me? Can, can you ask yourself that question? Because if not, there's this, there's this thing in Jesus saying, that's not me, that's not my representation, that's not my witness. In verse 14, when he's saying he's the amen, he's also saying that I am the witness. I want you to think about this. What, what Jesus is saying here is he doesn't want this church in his mouth. He doesn't want to tell people to go to this church. There's a lot of churches maybe that your friends will tell you to go to, but Jesus don't want you there. It's not the church that he says is my special one. No, no, no. He's repulsed by this. He wants to spit it out of his mouth. He doesn't want to tell people about it. He he wants to get this type of Christianity as far away from him as possible. He wants to flush it down in the toilet. Is this us? I was thinking about this. Jesus not wanting this type of church in his mouth. And I was thinking about you know, him not wanting to tell people about this type of church. And this is not the thing he wants to promote. He doesn't want to promote this type of Christianity. And I was thinking, well, if Jesus wouldn't want that, do you think that the people in this community would want this church in their mouth too? Think about this. If Jesus didn't want them in his mouth, do you think the community would want them in theirs? A lot of times in our attempt to try to win the world, we just become more like them. Do you think that the world wants to come to a place where we're just like them? No, no, no. They can find all of that elsewhere. The world is looking for refreshing. They're looking for healing. They're looking for salvation, whether they realize it or not. And look, if they're looking for something else, we don't want to try to be that thing or else they're not going to find Jesus. They're just going to find more of that thing. There's going to be more idolatry in their life. Again, what much of the church is like. What they need is Jesus. They need the gospel. They need us to give them a real representation of Jesus. So I want you to think about this. As we are going to the next point, are you somebody that is healing and refreshing? Are you hot or cold in a good way and giving people a good experience of what Jesus is? Because if not, he is repulsed by that type of Christianity. Here's the third lesson. The third lesson as we close this message and close this series. Jesus' view of us is often different than our view of us. Did you see this in Revelation 3.17? For you say, I am rich. You say this about yourself. I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. Guys, this is so much of the American church. And when I say church, I'm talking about people. And it happens as an organization, as a group of people. And this is who he's speaking to, a group here. You say, I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. This is your view of yourself. Jesus' view, on the other hand, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, Blind and naked. Remember in the beginning of this message, I told you that Caesar offered to help this community after they had their earthquake. 
And so much of the stuff was devastated in this city. And so Caesar said, we'll help rebuild. We'll bring resources. But this city, nope, we're rich. We got this. They're self-reliant. They said, no, 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 we got this. We're Laodicea. Who do you think we are, some poor people? No, no, no. This, this, is, this is their mindset, right? Again, this carries over to the church. Instead of relying on God, instead of recognizing that they are desperate without him, instead of recognizing that he's the vine and they're the branches, that unless they abide in him, they can bear no fruit. They can do nothing in their life. No, they said, I got it. I'm rich. I'm prospered. I need nothing. Church, you're on a dangerous, dangerous trajectory when you have this attitude about yourself in your life. If you think you are self-righteous, self-assured, that you got life figured out, you've already gone away from Jesus. Because the whole gospel is, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You could never do enough good. This is why Jesus Christ had to come and shed his blood on the cross for you because you would have never gotten it right. You would have never been a good enough church. You would have never been rich enough. You could have never bought your way into heaven. You could have never done anything to bring you back to God. So the moment you think, I got this thing, You've already gone away from Jesus. You've already gone away from the gospel. You've already lost sight of who you really are. Because who I am without Jesus, I'm blind. I'm miserable. I'm naked. I'm proud. I am nothing. And I could never do a good thing in and of myself. Because in and of myself, even my righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. But maybe it's because along the way they just started doing some good things and feeling themselves. And look, man, we don't need to pray to God anymore because look, we have all of our needs met. We're provided for. We've got everything. Look at this cool church building and all these other things. I don't know what they had here, but evidently they're looking at themselves, they're feeling themselves, and they're acting like, man, it's all good. And the most alarming thing here to me, and I want us to get this, church, this is, this is so pitiful what I'm about to tell you, and it's caused me to have tears in my eyes just thinking about this part of the message. Their view of themselves was so good, they, they thought of themselves as so good that they didn't need Jesus. I can't tell you how often this happens in churches today. They're filling themselves so much. Their name, their brand, their pastor, their worship, their kids ministry, their whatever. They're filling themselves so much that we don't need Jesus. Did you notice where Jesus is in this portion of scripture? In Revelation 3.20, check this out. Where is Jesus here? Is he in the middle walking amongst this church like he was in other churches walking amongst the golden candlesticks? Look at what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's on the outside of the church. 
He's at the door saying, would somebody let me in? And they're over here. We don't need Jesus because we got it all in here. We got everything we need. We got the lights and the music and we got the band and we got the, all the different ministries. We got all the kids workers. We got all the leaders. We got everything. But they didn't have Jesus. Guys, when I read this, I said, God, I don't ever want to be a church like that. What makes us a church? The only thing that makes us different in this world is that we have Jesus and they don't. I don't want somebody coming in here and getting everything else we have if they don't get Jesus. If people don't feel the presence of God in this house, let's close it up. Let's stop doing church. Let's go somewhere else. But if they feel Jesus, if Jesus is the center of this church, no, he's not. He's not on the outside knocking, asking for somebody to let him in. No, he's at the very front and center of this thing. He's the Lord of this thing. He's the, he is the one we're lifting up. He's the one we are elevating to the highest place. He's the one that we're getting people to come to. He is the Lord. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I read that, I thought of that, and I felt so much pity, so much heartbreak. I didn't then think, okay, that's that church over there. I thought, God, is this diversity? Is this me? How many times have I said, I got this day, that I didn't first bow my knee and say, Jesus, I need you. How many times have I said, I got this marriage? I'm good. Everything's going great. That I didn't first bow my knee and recognize without Jesus, I can't be the husband that I'm supposed to be. How many times have I not really come and really just got on my face before the Lord before I ever tried to preach a message about this Jesus that I'm speaking about? Y'all, without Jesus, we can do nothing. One of the things that I believe got this church to this place is they just lost their devotion. They lost seeking the first things first. And and I want you to know this, and I'm going to wrap up the message with this, that a lack of prayer is always a sign that you think that you have life figured out on your own. A lack of prayer in your life is a sign of pride in your life. What do I need to pray for? Everything's good. This is why many times like we have to go through something so the Lord can break that pride in us just so that we can actually come to him and say, I need you. I don't know what kind of breaking was about to happen in this church of Laodicea. I don't want to be a part of it. He said, you can either fall into the stone. Jesus said this, or you can have the stone fall on you. You will be humbled. You will bow your knee to Jesus one day. Every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess the amen. I just want to do it every day.
I want us right now to examine our hearts to see where we're at. I could preach on this so much more, but I just want us to to ask these questions to ourselves. Are, Are we adding to the amen, looking for something else to satisfy us? Are we such an expression of Christianity because we don't have Jesus that we've lost our refreshing and healing properties. We're not either hot or cold. Maybe we've just not invited Jesus into our life and into our everyday whatever. That he's on the outside knocking. Sing if you would let him in. Right now, I want us to just examine ourselves and Get into a place of prayer. Because this is a call to repentance. Maybe you're in the house today, you're watching online and You just need to come to Jesus for the first time and bow your knee. You've been trying to do life on your own. You've been living in your sin. But today you want to repent of that and you want to say, Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. You want to declare him as the amen, the final word on every subject in your life. You want to say, Christ, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my God. And I give you my heart. If that's you, would never want to leave a service without giving you that opportunity. You can raise up your hand and say, preacher, I need Jesus to come and save me. Yeah. Who else? Who else? Come on, right now is your moment. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come on, tell them right now, be my Lord and Savior. Be my God. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again to make me right with you. So I give you my life to follow you. Just to declare your allegiance to the Lord right now. Now for the rest of us, I want us to examine, am I the one that he's talking about here? I'm lukewarm. Jesus isn't a part of my everyday life. He's not what I'm trying to give my family. He's not what I'm primarily trying to give the people around me. But today you want to bow your knee to him again and just say, come and have your way. You want to invite him in so you guys can dine together and relate to each other and have relationship like you haven't had maybe in a while or maybe you've never had. If that's you, lift up your hand and say, preacher, you're, you're preaching to me and I just need to repent today. Come on, who else? You just need to come. All right, we're gonna have a moment with Jesus. We've been opening up these altars this entire series and I don't wanna end this series without giving you that opportunity to respond to the Lord today and really come and just say, Christ, come and help me. So Holy Spirit, would you just draw each one of us to that place of surrender so that Jesus can be our prime everything, the center of our life, the one that we are dining with, the one that we are communing with, the one who's giving us the strength to do whatever he's called us to do. Because without him, we are blind and miserable, wretched, poor. No matter what kind of riches we have, it doesn't matter. So Holy Spirit, would you just draw us right now to that place of repentance in Jesus' name? Come on, if that's you, you need prayer. Come on forward. We want to love on you and pray with you. I want, to, I want us to meet Jesus in this place as we end this service today. I want us to meet Jesus. I want us to meet Jesus. Come on, cry out to him. 
Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for trying to do life without you. I'm sorry for trying to do ministry without you. I'm sorry for trying to be a husband or a wife without you. I'm sorry. Come on, this is our moment just to get with Jesus, to declare our dependence on him. Come on, there's some others that need to respond. This is our moment. Remember, we can't do anything without Christ. Our view of ourselves is so inflated so often. We think we got this thing. We think we can do this thing. No. Don't you know that you're wretched, miserable, blind, poor, naked? We need Christ to be our covering. We need Christ to be our riches. We need Christ to be our righteousness. We need Christ... sense the sweet presence of the Lord in this place, uh, moving to repentance, that means to change our mind on how important first things are, that's Jesus he will always be supreme first so we surrender we surrender we're praying for revival we're praying for revival Lord God because too much of us are the church of Sardis or the church Lord God of Ephesus we've either died completely or left our first love many of us Lord God are our are, are church Lord who's suffering maybe like Smyrna or Philadelphia and we just need you to come and revive our soul in the midst of it God maybe Lord we're a church like this in Laodicea where we've just left Lord God some some of the primary things Jesus because he's on the outside knocking wanting to be let in to our lives in our church but we've not let him we need revival we need revival some of us Lord God have been messing with sin like Thyatira or Pergamum Lord and we need to just continue just to let that process of repentance and that call to repentance change us What the series has proven to us is we need Jesus, we need revival, we need the church to look like what he wants it to look like and not just what culture is demanding from us.
and the church starts with me. Can you just tell the Lord, the church starts with me. So have your way in me. Come on, tell him, have your way in me. Lord, I repent. Father God, I'm asking for your help. I'm returning to my first love. I'm asking for Jesus to be the center of my life. I'm praying, Lord God, for revival, to awaken the dead things or even the dead dreams, Lord God, that you've tried to put in our hearts, but they've died off, Lord. Help us, Holy Spirit. We hear what the Spirit is saying to us, the church, so we're responding today. Revive us again. Revive us again, God. We're desperate for you. We are a dry and thirsty land without you. Our greatest attempt at water is water that we want to spew out of our mouth or that the world wants to spew out of our mouth. We need you to be the well inside of us that never runs dry. We need you to be that well inside of us, Lord God, that bursts up and bursts out to everlasting life. We need you, Lord, to be that that cup, Lord, that is overflowing to the world around us. Would you just stand with me, church? We're just going to worship the Lord in this moment. Come on, tell him hallelujah. That means praise be to God. Tell him how great he is. Just begin to just declare what you've got out of this series and how you've heard him speak to you today or in this series. And begin just to respond to the Lord. Tell him who he is. You are the son of God. Not the son of Apollo. Lord, you are the one with fire in your eyes and your feet like bronze you are the amen the first and the last Lord you are everything hallelujah so father we just thank you for this message we thank you for this series may this word burn in our hearts may we be the church that is like what you are are craving and desiring and calling forth and may we operate father god under your mighty grace and may jesus be in the middle of everything we do we pray these things in jesus mighty name